0: Support for this episode of The Bittersweet Life comes from Expat Focus. Expat Focus, helping expats for over 15 years make the most of their new life abroad. Download your free guide today at expatfocus.com. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but we are in good company. Do you want to introduce yourself or should I introduce you? You introduce yourself and then I'll introduce why I know you. How about that? Who are you?
1: I'm Claire Brown and I'm formerly of London and I'm now in Split.
0: And where is Split in case people don't know?
1: Okay, Split. Split is on the Dalmatian coast in Croatia.
0: Claire and I are actually meeting face-to-face on Skype for the first time today, but we've been emailing back and forth for at least a year, if not longer. How did you discover the show? Do you remember how you first started listening?
1: I did. I was um, planning or I was thinking about going away for a year and I started to think about, well, have anyone has anyone else actually done this? And sort of just looking around on the web trying to find out information and just to try and find some real stories. And then of course you sort of do some searching and up popped The Bittersweet Life. And I thought, oh, oh my goodness. This is another sign that I really need to go away for a while. And then I started to listen to all the shows, and I was actually listening to your shows whilst lying on a beach in Croatia doing some extremely important research on what it was like. So it, it was just perfect timing. It was just timing.
0: Let's back way up, and then we'll get to your arrival in Croatia. When did this process start where you decide that maybe you should live somewhere else other than the UK? Uh, no, I,
1: well, I was in, I've been in London 20 years and I've never lived abroad. This is the longest time I've ever been away from the UK. And I first started looking uh, actually I was, I was checking earlier to find out exactly when I started learning Croatian, and it was October 2014, and the first sort of process, the saving and the oh just looking around, started in June 2014. So it's been a relatively long process.
0: Yeah, that is a long process. Well why Croatia?
1: Everyone asks, why Croatia? And it seems so trite, because they'll sort of say, oh, it's very beautiful here. Well, yeah, so is Italy. So is anywhere else on the Mediterranean. But I think it's because I'm a slightly awkward person. Life, I never make life easy for myself. I could have gone to Italy. I do have a little bit of Italian. And to learn Italian, is not it wouldn't be difficult, whereas Croatian is. (laughs) And (laughs) um, so I'm guessing it was more a case of where would be slightly more challenging than the south of France? Where would be slightly more challenging than Madeira or Spain? And I was looking at all these different places and made a real list. And then I sort of landed on Croatia and thought, this actually feels like we somewhere where I could actually try alone.
0: <laughs> Very alone. So <laughs> that's what you realize when you first get there, right? So it was a long process. So you you start saving money. You start learning the language in 2014. You were emailing me while you're going through a process of just trying to also shut your life in London down after 20 years. That was
1: the hardest thing I've ever done. I think actually the anticipation, the, the, this sort of planning process, I the, the last six months when I handed my notice in, that was when I finally sat down and wrote you a proper email of I really need to get this in order. I just handed my notice in. I've been in this job 10 years, nearly 10 years the hell am I doing you know why am I doing this and that was really hard because you think well I'm going to have no money all I've got is my savings what happens to my stuff what happens to my my poor flatmates what happens to all the other people that know me and it impacts not just your life but all the people around you as well and that was really really hard because you do have commitments you do have friends and you do have family and you're sort of thinking, oh, my goodness. So it was a very hard place. January and February were really, really hard months. What was people's reaction
0: when it was finally a reality? I mean, obviously, it's been going on for years. so people probably knew this was something you were thinking about doing. But Everybody was supportive. I was stunned,
1: actually. I thought people would be saying, you're crazy, don't do it. Nobody said that. I mean, I would never say to someone, oh, no, don't. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. I'd always be like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, just do it. But, you know, of a sort of a wide range of people that I know, not one person said, oh, you're crazy. Don't. Why? Why are you spending your life savings on doing something like this? Even the most conservative person I know was just like, so enjoy, work hard, do some writing there and, and come back and tell us all about it. Even my brother, my brother was absolutely, wow, when can we come and visit? So my brother's going to be coming over, and my my flatmates, my best friend, she's already been over. She's just gone home yesterday for a very, very quick
0: visit. So, no, so it's always been positive. Everyone was positive. What did it feel like when you finally got on the plane? I didn't go by plane. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs)
1: Why make... Why make life easy and get on a plane?
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you put on your walking shoes and you started to walk.
1: <laughs> don't joke, don't joke. No, um, my flatmate and I decided to put our heads together and... Uh, well, there's a long, it's a long story. I was going to be coming with a boyfriend, but that obviously didn't happen. And he had a car, and so I thought, we're going to drive, we're going to drive down, it's all going to be fine, it's all going to be fine and dandy. Anyway, didn't happen. And so I said, "Okay, Vicky, do you fancy a trip to Croatia?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're driving," because <laughs> I don't. So me and my flatmate decided on a road trip, and we took uh, about a week and a half—well, eight days, eight days—to get down through France and Italy, catch the ferry over from Ancona to Split, wow. and arrive here on the first of March. It was brilliant fun. I recommend travelling with your best mate.
0: Yes, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Can, can, we, can we talk about what happened to that boyfriend? Uh. <laughs> Did he just decide that Croatia wasn't for him?
1: Um, he decided that I wasn't for him. <laughs> oh. We broke up a while ago and there was this moment when we thought it might happen and then obviously it was just, you no, know, it wasn't going to happen. So I decided I'm coming alone anyway because it was my money, my trip, my dream. I think that was part of the problem, that it was actually my dream to do it. And if you're not wholly engaged with someone else's dream, you know, it's 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 a really you know a year out in a lot in a lot you know in someone's life when they have family commitments more more family commitments than I do then it makes life very difficult. So
0: here I am. Yes, see, and his Skype connection even got a little worse when we were talking about him. So you must have made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> if he's listening, I'm sorry. I should not be making fun of the situation. So come down with a best friend. And eventually, I'm sure she stuck around for a few days. She went just drive you down and drop you off and then head back up. But when you finally do find yourself alone, what was that first day like?
1: I wasn't alone. I actually had classes. I actually started university, my language classes, on pretty much day one. So after they left and I marched down the hill with clutching my final belongings from the car, and I got into the, my little house, which you can see behind me, and you sort of shut the door and think, oh. And then you had this sort of moment of, I don't know, like stillness. I was actually clutching the duvet because we decided, let's keep the spare duvet here just so I have guests and they can sort of have something to sleep on. And I was just clutching this duvet and I felt like the guy from Peanuts, you know, the little that carries the <laughs> <laughs> And I clutching like, oh, clutches and I thought, Yeah, this is quite the most scary thing I've ever done. And then you look out of the window and just go,
0: wow,
1: (laughs) I'm here, I'm actually here. And actually the joy then hits you because I think I'm actually a very positive, you know, really positive. And so I don't think you could actually sit there crying because you're just looking at the view going, wow, I just want to go and see the sea. So you put everything down and, and you basically go outside for a walk. It was a momentary, really momentary mo- a time of just, yeah, I'm here. Let's go and enjoy it. That's what you're here to do. And then the very next day, I was at university surrounded by lots of other people that were there. Not locals. I was there with other strangers, as it were.
0: So how are you at Croatian?
1: Oh, terrible. <laughs> Actually, I've just had some exam results, which should have made me jump for joy. I got 73, 78% or something in my exam. And then today, I've been in almost tears of frustration with the language again. So it has its absolute moments of joy and wonder. And then suddenly, I find myself crying again because I can't do the genitive singular when it comes to numbers. Uh Uh Ah, frustrating, (laughs) (laughs) frustrating.
0: See, and I don't even know what you're talking about. So that's how bad I am at languages. (laughs) Actually, I really want to find out
1: I really, you know, when you said you were there, you were in Italy for a year and you didn't learn the language, I'm so shocked and horrified by this. I just have to make that comment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. My pleasure. It is true. I, I mean, that begs the question. I feel like you've gone about it in such a social way. And then maybe that's part of your personality type, but For me, it was a year because I couldn't speak the language and never really got a good handle on it. And probably was lazy about it because I hung out with two people who could speak the language all the time. So it made it easy for me. But for me, it was a very kind of insular, quiet year. Just me, sort of out in the city exploring. That has not been your experience.
1: I'm struggling to set aside even 20 minutes to actually do some homework. I've actually got some homework to do for tomorrow morning. And I'm thinking, after I've spoken with you, I'm actually going for a coffee with somebody. And that's going to turn into a drink of wine or beer or something. So we're going to sit there and probably, you know, just chew the fat and just chat and everything like this. So I'm just not having the time to actually sit down and do any meaningful writing, which is really quite frustrating at the moment. So it's just gone.
0: My social life is chaotic. <laughs> I know. And that's, that's not what you would expect moving to a brand new country. At least I wouldn't expect that. I don't know whether it is a person thing. I
1: don't I don't know. I think this is
0: also the difference between
1: Croatia and Italy and maybe other European well, I I'm not going to say western European um countries because we you know Croatia is part of what I would sort of say western Europe. You can't go out on the street without saying hello, goodbye and how are you to people I can't go to the shop now without sort of saying hello to about five people. It's just a really sociable country. And that was part of when I was doing, so, you know, my, my research coming here to find out whether I could live here. Um, that was maybe part of one of the tick boxes has to be sociable because I think I need the, the people energy to actually um, get by to survive.
0: So you heard this, the show we did when I first got back to the United States and I was, noticing all the strange observations of how this country contrasted to Italy. Yes. Did you have those same sort of things when you think look around Croatia, things that stand out to you as remarkably different about the town that you're in now? Mm, from London? Yeah. Oh my goodness, there is no comparison. I mean, it's like you're on a different planet. I suppose...
1: The only thing that's ever similar, I suppose, is the whole dating thing. It's just a complete disaster, whichever country you're in. But um, I, <laughs> um, uh-huh. I'm actually far more sociable here. I'm far more chilled out. I'm just far more... I'm just, I suppose, more willing to say yes here because I sort of promised myself not to say no to anything. Yeah. Do you want to go to this place? Yeah, definitely. And it sort of opens doors and, and you're sort of more... I think I'm just more open to stuff, I
0: suppose. That's probably why you're not getting any writing done, but what would you say that the most interesting thing that you said yes to has been so far? Um.
1: Uh, so I, I live upstairs. Um, my, my landlady and landlord, they live downstairs. And when I arrived, the friendliness was just immediate, just sincere and warm and kind. And so after a few weeks of her basically becoming my second mum, She said, do you want to come to my daughter's first communion at the local church? And I said, yes, because why wouldn't you want to join in a a sort of a big sort of community event and then a big family party afterwards? And when this was Saturday, um, sorry, Sunday. so So Vicky was here as well. So both of us went along to this sort of massive affair and then drove off to a village in the middle of the mountains to have a big lamb dinner on Sunday. on Sunday, And I say lamb dinner. It went on till about, oh, I don't know, about half eight, nine o'clock at night. And it was brilliant. So that was probably the best thing that I've said yes to. Definitely the best
0: experience. Do you have a sense of how long you're going to stay?
1: Oh, it all comes down to
0: finances
1: and also a commitment that to my friend of, yes, I will be your flatmate again in a year. So it very much depends on finances mostly. But I... Actually, there is an event that's going to keep me here for the precise year. I met through various people on Facebook, a lady called Maria. She said, oh, I've joined the Mountaineering Society. And I said, OK, Mountaineering, that sounds fun. Where do I sign up? So I went down to the local Mountaineering office, paid £10 or whatever it was to join for the year. And she said, oh, we're going camping in a few weeks. There's going to be a big trip. I said, brilliant, again, where do I sign up? And so I paid my eight pounds or whatever it was. And again, I suppose it's all about going to the question of saying yes to things. We joined this huge community of um, hikers from all over Croatia and Bosnia. (coughs) Each village or town has its own mountaineering society. And they all meet every year. They do a big walk together. Then we all... Drink a lot, eat a lot, talk a lot, dance a lot, sing a lot and then get no sleep. We sleep in big tents and then we do the same the next day. It was probably one of the best weekends of my life just to be with all those climbers. So I want to be doing that again next early March next year. So that event is going to mark probably the end of my stay in Croatia. But I think it would be an amazing way to go out.
0: Yeah, no, kidding, no. <laughs> You know, one of the things I loved about your, all the different emails that we've exchanged is the systematic process that you took to sort of get ready to go and all the things that you tried to learn before leaving. <laughs> Can you just talk about some of the things that you've learned or tried to, you know, have in place by the time you left? Okay, so I'm, I'm not a planning person. I keep saying I'm not a planning person. Which is totally counter to what I would think, <laughs> given your emails. Uh- well, I sort of started thinking. Well, what could I be doing
1: here? Because I didn't want to be bored. <laughs> I know there's no, there was no chance of that, was there? In really. no. The language was obviously the first thing I thought of because I had precisely four words when I came on holiday here before, and I think that was something like Vala, which is "thank you," molim, um, which is "please," and. Pivo and Vino. Oh, and I probably knew Slivovic as well, which is obviously the local um, Rakia brandy stuff. (laughs) Uh, So I was well sorted for alcohol and being polite, which I suppose is English, really. So I thought, right, I do need more language because I would actually like to go and make that effort because every person who I was speaking to, even if you just did say please or thank you, they would say, oh, bravo, you actually have a word, you know, and it's so rare for an English tourist, I think, to have Any words. So that was the first thing, it was to sort of impress people and make people think, oh wow, you know, she is actually bothered and interested. The second thing was, I'm on the coast, I love the sea, and I have fond memories of, you know, sort of family holidays, of being on boats with my grandparents and my parents. I thought, I want to learn to sail. So I took myself on the um, Royal Yacht Association skipper course, so I at least had the theory of how to sail. I didn't actually do the practice because one, I couldn't really afford it if I was saving. And secondly, there was no way I was going down to Southampton or Chatham and spending a weekend in the middle of December. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I was just, I don't know, call me fair weather sailor. But seriously, I was not going to go and sit in the channel for a weekend and learn how to. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, maybe the practical stuff is something I can do when I'm here. Now, the opportunity hasn't yet arisen for me to actually do any sailing of any type but to be honest I think if I'd have done that as well I would have probably needed like I don't know two weeks in a single weekend or something there is just not enough time so maybe that's something I can do and catch up with later on in the summer it's it's there it's an option and I'm still waiting to sort of use that part of my planning but those are the only two things that I really thought about to be honest it was the language and learning how to sail and everything else was pretty common sense, really. I mean, you need money to live abroad, so you save. I needed a place to stay, so I started looking for places to stay. That, I suppose those were the, the, my only criteria for planning.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, I love, though, that the added element of sailing. It shows that, I don't know, what does it show? Is it showing that you were hoping to open this door to exploration to the new you or would the old you have taken sailing just because I
1: think so I think so I mean I do all sorts of random things I mean I do master's degrees for fun I mean you know (laughs) it's it's the sort of things that I do in my spare time It was just another sort of challenge but I I think the only challenge that I really haven't faced up to yet and is something that I sort of regret slightly is that I haven't learned to drive I've never learned to drive so all these wonderful places that I look through at on the map, and I think, "Oh God, I wish I could just hop on a, in a rental and, and just drive up into the mountains or down the coast or whatever." And that is the one thing I regret. But it does make you more inventive. Perhaps it makes you go and talk to people in the, well, the bus station and, and find out where you can go. And, and it, it makes, I think it makes you more
0: creative. How did it come to be that you didn't learn to drive?
1: My dad tried to teach me how to drive, and I think it lasted about a week. (laughs) And after I'd stalled about five times on a really difficult roundabout in the middle of Torquay, which is mostly hills, and I started rolling backwards, and he had to grab for the handbrake, I thought, you know what, I'm really not cut out for this. And then I moved to London after university, and that was that. There was just no need.
0: (laughs) I feel like your friends could come to Croatia and give it another try. You could take a rental car out to a parking lot somewhere and... And see what you can do.
1: I've just spent a week in a car literally clutching stuff because of the drivers and I just think no 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 there's just no
0: way am I going to be involved in with Croatian drivers and just no just no. <laughs> <laughs> do you have goals of what you want to accomplish there or did you go for other reasons not to accomplish anything not to discover anything?
1: Okay, my my goal was to take my master's degree thesis, my dissertation, and there's a really interesting story within that piece of academic writing. And I really wanted to take that and explore some ideas uh, sort of around sort of historical novel based around, this is gonna sound completely insane, but um, Dresden. (laughs) My dissertation is actually sort of based around kings and the electors of Saxony. So here I am in Croatia wanting to write about something in Dresden. A bit difficult. (laughs) I was actually thinking perhaps later on in the year to spend sort of three months, maybe time in Dresden and actually focus my mind there. But I don't know whether that's going to happen because of the crazy social life and the lack of writing focus has sort of gone out the window slightly. So my goal was to write. The result seems to have been to have fun who's the winner i don't know but more seriously <clears throat> i do actually have some paid work to do some paid work actually came through in my second week i was here mm. so i know i know so i've actually got to find a way of uh, i was talking to someone today they call it the dalmatian blanket sort of comfort blanket where you feel all enveloped in this warm, lovely environment, and you just don't want to deal with the real world. So I'm going to have to venture out of this warm Dalmatian blanket and actually do some really serious research on law firms and current awareness, um, which is something
0: I've got to write about for this company, um, and that's actually paid employment. So it's a means to an end, maybe, I don't know. It could mean that you don't go back and share that flat with your flatmate in a year. Yeah, don't tell her that, please. (laughs) You can make it happen. Yeah, I mean that's always the question: Can you stay on for people who go into an expat experience as a freelancing type of person? The can you stay on past the savings is is a big question.
1: It, it is. It's huge. And the people that I seem to be associating with,
0: they are actually making businesses,
1: their lives actually work, and they are being paid and being very successful. So. It's really strange, uh, I suppose that's just a different question, the whole sort of expat the community, for want a better sort of phrase, but people here, English speaking, they are making a go of it here and they are running their own businesses and it's possible.
0: Would you say that you're mostly hanging out with other expats? No, I'm not.
1: This is the fun thing.
0: Many of the expats, I don't know, I really hate that word. I really hate that
1: word. These guys immigrants. They are immigrants. They, they have come here to live and to work and to marry and to set up lives for themselves here. You know, that for me is, is, uh, is an immigrant. Well, that's a whole different discussion. Uh, um, so I have several circles of people that I hang around with. First circle is sort of my classmates at school. You know, I went out for lunch with them today and they showed me a new student place. Brilliant. You know, I had lunch for like what, three pounds or something ridiculous. And the best ice cream. I've been now been shown the best ice cream place in town. It's taken a while for me to get there, obviously. Um, so they're the group of people and they're all very young. They're all either Czech, Slovenian, Italian, Japanese, um, Chinese, you know, really an international bunch. I suppose they would be more your expat type people. The other circle is um, the group from Facebook. Uh, many of them are married to you know, local people, so they live here. And they're absolutely amazing bunch, really supportive. They know exactly what's going on. They know where the best places are. And then <clears throat> I'm hanging around with locals, my wonderful neighbors, one of my best friends here. She lives just down the road from me,
0: and she's lived here all her life. It's so interesting because the way that you talk makes it sound like you've been there for years, And and I know that you haven't been there that long. Like you have a best friend, you have multiple circles of friends. It's impressive. How long have you been there, Claire? We arrived on the 1st of March. Right. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) So it's been two months. Does it feel like it's been longer than that? Ah, oh, you talk about time quite a lot in the podcasts. Yeah, I know. I'm obsessive.
1: It, it's fascinating. I feel like I've either been here for no time at all, or I've been here forever, depending on the day, my mood, what's happened, how much have I cried over my homework. You know, I, it, it feels like it, it, it really does depend on how I'm feeling, how long I feel like I've been here, if that makes sense.
0: It does. It makes a lot of sense. What's your study background? You say you like to get master's degrees for fun. This is the problem. I, I never did a gap year. We were never wealthy enough for me to, you know, to send the. My weren't wealthy at all,
1: um, so I went straight from university into work. So I did a library degree. I did library and information with English, and then I became a librarian for a law firm. And I've been in law pretty much my entire uh, library career. So I've sort of hung around sort of commercial firms. Um, And then it got to 2003, and I thought, ah, this master's degree that I kept promising myself, let's go do it. And so I did a master's in Renaissance Studies, and I met a load of fabulous people, and we did a load of crazy things, and um, travelled all over Europe with garden historians, which is probably an entirely different podcast. (laughs) And then a few years ago, I had nothing to do with my time. I wanted a distraction from a really crap relationship come out of breakup thing and i immediately started a master's degree met a new guy <laughs> and had got <completely> distracted. <laughs> and so i, I did um, history of art which sort of connected nicely with the renaissance and i did a load of modern stuff which was fantastic but i still ended up doing renaissance stuff for my dissertation because i think that's where my interest which again is why i was drawn to your podcast because of the whole sort of artist side so yeah, so there
0: were so many connections with your podcast. It was unbelievable. So it was mostly art and history. You know, I'm interviewing a woman in a couple of weeks that will be on this podcast who wrote a book called Visual Intelligence. And she's an art historian. And she uses that knowledge to teach people, like policemen or people in the government agencies in the United States, like the CIA or the FBI, to look at art and be able to describe what's in a picture as a way of becoming better at describing a crime scene or somewhere where they would need to know specific details. Looking at art as a way of becoming more observant and having a way to articulate what you're observing, basically. It's
1: when you're asked to just sit down, it's, it's actually really good exercise to take a piece of art and the, you know, whoever in the class or when you're looking at it to do a, sort of visual, a visual analysis, you just start with the simplest thing. What's happening? What is the picture of generally? What's going on? What is it saying? And you just start with these very, very sort of simple questions. It makes you look deeper and you start focusing then on the details. Um, So actually, I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. No, I like that. I really like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you were doing a podcast about art for a while. Oh, that was my other plan. I was I,
1: I really, really wanted to write um I, I wanted to do sort of take topics sort of one sort of every month and just sort of present something. But time time is not my friend. Really, really isn't. I mean I've had so many ideas for podcasts while I've been here and I just looked at it and thought, I can't write three thousand words and present something. I just haven't got the time to do it. So I'm hoping maybe that my I keep looking at my island, my summer island, with this hope that I'm going to be so bored it's going to make me do lots and lots of stuff. But I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know what's going
0: to (laughs) happen. What if you don't do anything? Like what if you just go about having a good time? Would that be so bad?
1: I don't know. I'm not one of these people that goes, no, I really wish I'd done that, I really wish I'd done that. So I don't really look back with regrets. So I think whatever I do, I'll enjoy it. I just don't want to get back to London and think, oh, I had this amazingly long holiday and I was going to do this and then I have suddenly got to start work again. I would like something something to come out of this experience. I'd like something to show for the time I've spent here. I think if I don't have something to show by the end of it, I, I think then I will feel that i have ah, not wasted, that's the wrong word, but I may have spent my time not very
0: wisely. <laughs> but it, it can't be that you show internal change you Claire a different human being comes out of it that's not enough
1: oh maybe that would be enough for some people
0: Uh, um maybe maybe it would be enough I mean I feel like I've already changed
1: even in the two months I've been here I feel that I have a lot more confidence I was thinking about this the other day actually when I go back to London I'm actually going to have to sit in a job interview and explain to a potential employer what they might see as the longest holiday ever <laughs> so Claire you spent 12 months on a beach what makes you capable of coming back and working with lawyers and answering their very difficult questions mm. well where would you start I mean I suppose this is why I'm sort of justifying it to myself uh, yeah probably justifying it um, but I think it's coming back with this confidence and actual being thrown into a completely alien situation and actually being really successful at it and actually being able to cope with anything and not fall apart. And it's just the test of strength. And I think if that's not enough for an employer, um, I'm stuffed. (laughs) I'm never (laughs) gonna work again. Um. But I think it's I I think I think there's gonna be some hard questions to answer when I get back. But I'm just hoping by then I'll I've got even more strength, even more courage and uh, more skills to actually answer those questions. And you're not going to know until you actually get
0: home how you feel. That's true, That's
1: true. I was so worried about you when you were going home. I was thinking, oh, no, oh, no. How are you going to go with
0: everything? <laughs> how do you think I did, having listened to the podcast? I think you've done really well.
1: I think because I think it was also
0: that, well, I can always go back.
1: I mean, I know the distance for you is a bit of an issue. Um,
0: well, it's also bravery, I think. You're talking about that you've formed a confidence, that you've proven to yourself that you can do it. It's been two months and you have more friends than half the people listening to this podcast have had in their lifetimes. Maybe that's not fair. I'm sorry, everyone. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you've been wildly successful. Have you traveled alone a lot before? Or is this a new thing?
1: I had never traveled alone before I was... I'm I'm 42. Um, I hadn't traveled alone until I was 39 and I came on my first holiday to Croatia. I thought, let's see if I can go on a holiday alone. And I spent a week on an island by myself. I think actually, I think I did all my crying that I should possibly potentially be doing now. I think I did it all then.
0: Was that the loneliness? Why am I here? What am I doing here alone? Why is nobody with me? That sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I'm a failure. I'm 39 and I can't come on holiday with a nice man and hold his hand whilst the sun goes down in this glorious place. Oh, hello. I'm going to go and have a drink by myself now and I'm just going to sit here and read my book. God, isn't this amazing? I'm not having to actually go to places or do anything that someone else says. Oh, actually, this has got benefits. (laughs) (laughs) So you just take, you know, you immediately start taking the the, the positives
0: of it. One of the things I love that in one of your emails right after you arrived was that you said that you were already on Croatian Tinder. <laughs> and <laughs> me being me was just, oh my gosh, not only can I, is it hard for me to imagine moving to an, a country alone, the fact that you're like already going on dates, it, it's just like it shows that there is a difference in personality types in the world between you and me. I would love to think that I, I could do that, that one week in I'd be like, I've got enough Italian to try going out with somebody. I'll just listen to him and not talk back. Isn't that normally
1: the way it works on a date? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I've been, on, I've been on Tinder and Badoo and various sites whilst I was in London, and I just got so fed up of just like, one of me. Want to meet, and it's just like you just basically after one thing. I was like, oh, this is just irritating now in London, and um so I sort of stopped. And then I thought, oh, come on, well, I have to see make a comparison between the two. So I re, so I joined up, re, re uh, revived the the accounts, and immediately started having conversations with guys. Now this was a new thing that. <clears throat> the guy was actually interested. They wanted to know, you yeah, know, wow, we are here. What are you doing? And it was just like, rather than London, um, basically this speeded up version of a relationship where you can basically meet, consummate the relationship and break up within the space of, I don't know, three hours. Here was this like, I don't know, this like slowness, this really nice pace to it. And it might, they might ultimately be after just the one thing, but at least they sort of made that effort to actually get to know you and 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 why you you know and also you know likewise you know I was able to have they took me to places that the part oh you've done this yet no no I haven't oh well let's go and do that so it was just like a new way of getting to know the place plus I felt safe and that's the thing here I have felt so safe I mean I leave my door open during the day (laughs) you know I mean there's a gate lock gate downstairs and I just think oh you know no one's going to get in through the lock gate so my place is always open, but my personal safety has never actually felt, there's never been an issue. And that is amazing. It's just wonderful. Really, really amazing.
0: Whereas in London, it, what, you felt on edge? Um, in London, you're always, you're always just
1: like, who's that behind me? And you have this sixth sense about people behind you. You don't, you don't necessarily have to look around, but you know there's someone there. So usually I'll make an excuse, stop, let the person who I know is there walk in front of me so I can see them. And I've never once done that. It's an automatic response to living in a city. You're just you're like a, like a jungle animal. You know, you look constantly vigilant. Whereas here, I haven't had to use those senses.
0: I wonder if it's the small town or if it also has something to do with the fact that you're new. So you don't have all the layers of news stories or whatever you've read or seen in 20 years about a certain place. Does that make sense?
1: It, no, it really does. It does. I mean, I, I mean, it is a small town. I mean, I was doing some current comparisons for my brother. And I don't suppose this is going to mean much to you. But I said to my brother, it was about the same size as York, uh, up in the north of England. Very, very small place. Re- you know, relatively small place. And when I arrived, it was very early on in, the, in any sort of tourist season. Or really the tourist season hadn't started. So maybe I'll have to start being more vigilant with when there's like crowds of people. But everyone's here having a good time and on holiday. Um, so I, I don't know whether the crime
0: rates in- increase whilst... During the summer, but um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to instill fear in you. I'm just curious that it's part of that what you're able to observe about a place or what you're able to learn about yourself when you're outside of a place where you have so much history, I guess, is what I'm getting at.
1: I'm not going to say London's safest place. I mean, it's, you know, I've been very lucky in London. I've never been attacked. Nothing ever bad has happened to me whilst I've been in London. And I hope it stays that way when I return. But it's always that. You always feel as if you are at risk. And as you say, maybe that is the news stories. Maybe that is... I I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I suppose it's that sense of um, insecurity. I mean, to be honest, I didn't live exactly in the nicest part of London. I mean, it's a fab place. It's very full of character. Um, (laughs) So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But here, tiny streets, everybody knows one another. I'll see children, it's oh hi Claire, how are you? Oh hello Rita, how are you? You know mm-hmm. <laughs> So so I don't know. But also children are actually allowed out to play on the streets in Split, which is also something quite new. Yeah. Kids wander off hand in hand and go down to the shop like, you know, I used to when I was a uh, growing up. There's children everywhere. People it, it feels like a large
0: family and I think it probably is in
1: any respects. I think I think that's That's the safety angle. I think that's what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, and you became part of that family so fast. Yes. It's impressive. It says something about at least the people in that town, if not the people in Croatia in general.
1: I cannot believe how much you can be taken into the bosom of a family in a town like this. I mean, I'm absolutely, I mean, to be honest, I think I'm just amazed, absolutely amazed as to the response of people to me. You arrive. You're not you're not special or anything like this. I'm not saying special at all. You arrive and you're friendly, and and you get this bounce back of amazing warmth. And I don't think you could you just you can't fail. But be charmed. You know, you're charmed by it. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, Claire, we've talked far too long for this show. Um, generally speaking, but that's okay because it's been fun to catch up with you. And I feel like. We should just touch in from time to time over this next year. If you have some incredible story about some date you went on or when you finally sail, you should call me up and tell me about it.
1: I'm actually off to Sarajevo in a few weeks because I'm doing a lot of travel. I'm actually off to Zagreb um, next week and then I'm off to Sarajevo at the end of May. Um I was hoping to go to one of the islands. I still haven't been to Zadar, I haven't been to Shibanik, and I haven't been to all these places around. Um and then suddenly I disappear off into the island. I think the I think Japan is going to be a massive change. And maybe perhaps I won't be so happy. I I, I don't know. I, I can't seem like not being happy anywhere, to be
0: honest. But <laughs> and the island is sort of that's where you'll put yourself in isolation and get some writing done. That's your plan.
1: that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Do you
0: think? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should cancel that plan. Well, you have time to decide. You don't have to decide now. Oh,
1: I have to. I have to. It's
0: booked. I have to go. I, I actually have the
1: six months booked. I did put a bit of a limit on myself. But at the end of November, I have a decision to make as to where I go. Do I stay in Croatia? Do I go to Dresden? Or do I go to Bosnia? Do I go to Serbia? Do I go to any other country? But I have a horrible feeling I'm actually going to be coming back to Split to see family,
0: actually. Now that you're part of the family, if you don't come back to visit... I know. Actually, it's
1: <laughs> my, my flatmate thinks
0: it's actually hysterical. I was chatting to some guys in the bar at this party on
1: Sunday, and um, they have very little English, and my Croatian is still quite, how are you, I'm very well, thank you, level. And um, I think they want me, apparently to be their Roman Queen. Um, they play Roman football. And he said, yeah, we need to, we need a queen. And he showed me pictures. And he said, we want you to, we want you to be her. We want you with the crown. So potentially in August, I'll be coming back to Split to, to be the queen of the Roman football. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> Whether this happens, I don't know, but that could be just the most crazy experience.
0: But- Cleric. Claire, the, the entire time I'm talking to you, but I should mention that we turned our cameras off so that the Skype sounded better for you guys who are listening, but the whole time I'm talking to you, I'm, I am have a smile on my face and I'm shaking my head slightly. At, I don't know. I'm just like... I don't know, your good fortune, your amazingly outgoing personality, it's, wonderful. it's you don't, wonderful. People don't realize I'm such an introvert, I
1: can't do this all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you've dialed it up for,
1: for your adventure, I think it's great. Oh, it's just so cool to talk to you, because, yeah. you know, I've been listening to you for so long, it's actually just, and also, you know, you've just fitted in so well with all my plans, and what I've been thinking, and what you did was so amazing, so, you know, it's still sort of a, a, a
0: perpetual cycle of inspiration, I think. Maybe so. Yeah, because talking to you, now I'm thinking, I need to figure out a way to go somewhere. You need to come here.
1: You really, really do. Because, you know, I was talking to an Italian today, and I said, I love Italy. I really do. It's one of my first places I fell in love with. And yet, this place has just got something, something out about it, which I don't know whether I'll ever put my finger on. But it has that something extra that perhaps Italy may have lost in the popularity or in the mass tourism that, you know, now goes to Italy. Whereas Croatia is still very much, I'm not saying it's off the map, because a lot of people are now coming here. In fact,
0: we don't want people come here, you can stay away. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete. No, but I think you're right. I think it is one of those places where a lot of people just still don't know very much about it.
1: Yeah and I think with the polit- I mean with the political situation going on in the UK we we might be leaving the EU and yet Croatia's just joined and I think you know we've got so much to sort of learn you know countries have got so much to learn so much to give to each other you know learning from each other and giving to each other that that you know I think it's a really sad thing um which probably says more about my position on the EU but I think it's it's hard you know when you've got countries like this joining they're incredible places and yeah it's it's sad to think that we wouldn't be part of this um big union if um, people have their own way in the uk so so i'm watching with interest sort of you know generally sort of political situation and also here as well so i'm trying to keep up with current awareness can you tell Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> We're trying to keep grounded and sort of have one foot in the real world rather
0: than one foot in the sea, I think. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, I love it. All right, well, we should leave it there. So I will say thank you, Claire, for talking to me today. I'm serious about checking in. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. And I'm Brown. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com. Thanks to Expat Focus for sponsoring this episode of The Bittersweet Life. Expat Focus, helping expats for over 15 years make the most of their new life abroad. Download your free guide today at expatfocus.com.